if you're not in the habit of reading the Bible, um, or if you were really looking for this to be something to kind of pull you back into reading the scriptures so that you can get through the entirety of the Bible and then really begin to understand the scripture, um, I know it can be difficult to do even three chapters a day. And so what I want to encourage you to do, um, and you'll see this, this form right there, you can print that out. And uh, it's got some boxes there. You can check it. And and as I was thinking about this time, I, I kind of really wanted to start with um, encouraging you, you to set a time every day where you're doing the reading and kind of make it that time of the day that you do that. Um, if you're a structured person, that's not that's just normal for you. Um, you uh, will will already be doing that. You'll already be uh, kind of uh, having that time to do that. If you're not, and you're someone that kind of just lets the day just kind of take its own path. Um, this might be a little more difficult, but you're going to have far more success if you say, you know, at this time every day I'm going to read and, um, and, and put your attention to that, you really are going to have a lot of success with that. Now, that sheet you just looked at, it says week one, week two, week three. It's technically not the week we're going to be talking about. That's more for the week we're in, kind of to give a, I actually on mine put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday on it. And, um, and you can do that as well. Um, but what we're covering today, what we're going to cover is Genesis chapter 12 from the end of first week into the beginning of second week. This is our second episode of um, The Word in a Year. And um, and so we're going to be talking from Genesis 12 to Genesis 29. And like last week, last week in the chapters we were reading, we covered uh, really a just a huge swath of time. Um, there was uh, not a lot of uh, time to really cover creation and everything else. So there was some work that you had to do. And I had some people even later text me with some of the answers we didn't have and uh, some great answers. So we got some questions already or comments? I just I just thought this was cool. Um, well, I see I see uh, James in the chat. I see Andrea in the chat. Natasha is in the chat um but b rock casey i don't know who that is it says one of my kiddos in kids church has been waking his dad up at 6 30 to read the bible wow How that's, cool is that's that? that is cool that's pretty cool there's nothing nothing that's nothing encourages me more uh when people say uh, that father and son or father and daughter mom and dad and kids are reading the Bible together and uh, and then parents are really because that's what the Old Testament uh, in fact uh, taught them that they were to explain to their children the Word of God and and so hopefully um, that continues well let's let's go to Genesis chapter 12 we're gonna go through uh, if last week wasn't hard enough with only three days we had to cover uh, I told Alex uh, this will be a challenge so I'm gonna only highlight a little bit I'm gonna encourage you to comment ask questions it doesn't have to pertain to what I'm bringing up. I'm just kind of bringing up some highlights that I saw in the last uh, week's reading. And and then you can bring up questions or comments of what you saw. And then Alex will interrupt me, interrupt me and, and let me, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about it. You know, what's, in, what's interesting is when you look at the life of Abraham, Abraham was a flawed individual. In fact, you see a lot of this 
in in him um, but it says God will bless those who bless you uh, there's a in uh, when it was talking about Jeremiah or uh, Abraham God comes to Abraham and says Abraham I'm gonna bless those who bless you and and people on earth will be blessed through you wow what an incredible truth that this world is blessed by us and and then then right after that promise they go to egypt and abraham we we find something out about abraham that he's a little bit of a liar yeah he goes there even though uh, apparently, Sarah, because this is one of two times in our reading this week, you find out that w- there's two things you find out that Abraham will tell half lies, uh, knowing he's deceiving people in order to get protected. He he doesn't fully trust that God will protect him. So he tells a lie to try to create protection for him. And the second you f- thing you find out is Sarah must have been one of the more incredibly beautiful women ever on the planet. Uh, because uh, in both occasions, Sarah is not in her 30s and 40s. Sarah is is an older woman at, at the time. In fact, with Abimelech at the end, she's quite a bit older uh, uh, when he brings her in to, to be his wife. And, and in both occasions, Abraham tells Sarah that if she loves him, she'll tell people she's his sister. Now, I don't know that I, I, I don't comprehend this. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know how Abraham could watch uh, another man take his wife into his palace or into his his presence that that does that doesn't even comprehend to me I think there's a lot there that um, I, I'm like I don't even know how to explain that and and yet this is what Abraham did and this is the God or this is the man that God says he will bless those who bless you and people on earth will be blessed by you and and um, and because he didn't really fully trust who God was and and then it goes on in the reading another thing that really popped out to me was um, if you go to chapter 13 Abraham and Lot separate because uh, their men don't get along and um, and of course Abraham says you pick Lot picks the valley where Sodom and Gomorrah is it's the more fertile valley and um, Lot, you know God never told Abraham that Lot should come with him but Lot kind of tagged along and came along and I think Lot uh, prospered because of Abraham because he was with Abraham and um, and then it says that when Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, that these kings came, defeated Sodom and Gomorrah, took all of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and their stuff and went up as far as Damascus or where Damascus was at in Syria. And they go to Abraham and Abraham and his men go and defeat these kings and bring everything back. And the reason I'm bringing up this part in 14 is is because we're introduced to someone that <coughs> many people have had questions about for many years, and, and it's Melchizedek. And I think what we need to do is sometimes the Bible, like if it isn't in, we think all the believers in God, that he existed and that God was there, that all of these believers were 
encompassed in the narrative of the Bible. Like if they weren't mentioned in the Bible, there must not have been a lot of believers. Like at this time, Abraham was probably the only follower of God on the planet. And, and because it's, it's what we're reading in the narrative of the Bible. And you have to keep in mind that Moses is writing this and he's writing it from the perspective of father Abraham. And so there's a point when we get to Abraham where all of the other storylines that, that go from, uh, from God and believers in God, they're going to continue on, but they're not going to continue on in the narrative of of the Jewish nation of the nation of Abraham or the nation of Israel. Like now, we're we're those things are taking their own path, and 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 the the seed that was in that God said He was going to put in Eve that was going to go through Sarah and into Isaac and in Jacob and and so on into Israel. Now that's what the Bible follows is the story of how Christ came to earth and in his life and then from there. And but but the mistake we make is to think that there aren't other followers of God. And and we see in in uh, Genesis 14, it says in verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, blessed, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. For The first thing I want you to see is where is he from? Uh, if you remember, when David defeats Goliath, he he cuts off Goliath's head, then he rides where? He he places the sword in his hometown, and then he goes to Bethlehem, and then he goes to what? The kingdom of Salem. And he throws the head of Goliath over the wall in the kingdom of Salem. Melchizedek was the king, but he was also the priest of who? He was the priest of God, which means that there were other. He was a priest of God. He was a preacher of God. He was the one who offered sacrifices to God at this point in time. And and so many would say he was the image of Christ. He was that he was. Um, Oh my my goodness the um the word is escaping me he was the he was like the the representative of Christ and Abraham tithes to Melchizedek he gives a tenth of everything he had gained from this battle he had with those who'd taken Sodom and Gomorrah the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and he brings them back and then he tithes what he gained to Melchizedek and and Melchizedek blesses him now a blessing when it comes from someone who has authority to bless. Melchizedek has this ability and authority to bless him because he's a priest of God. So I think what we got to see from this is, is one, Melchizedek is, is a picture of what's to come, but but he's also the priest of people, that there are other believers in God that are not part of the family of Abraham. <coughs> And 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 God has been uh, very faithful to them. Any, if there are any questions, just interrupt me at any point in time, and uh, we'll try to yeah, cover that. Yeah, let's let's stop here because we really want to focus on uh, what the questions are. We could talk all day, but we want to see uh, uh, what you guys have thought about the reading so far. Are there any questions that you had? Uh, why did everyone go to Egypt when there was a famine? 
It's a good question. Well, everyone didn't go to Egypt when there was a famine, but the, but when there were famines and people went to Egypt, like we see Abraham go there, we see that God sets Joseph up in Egypt for his family, which is incredible. God not only sends Jacob there to give him favor to have, have uh, food during this famine, God makes one of the sons next to the king to rule that the family of God would be blessed in Egypt. And why is that? Well, Egypt was one of the more most fertile plains because of the Nile River during that time. The Nile River actually almost, um, uh, other than the time when there was a famine in Egypt, that famine reached as far as Egypt, Egypt would have been one of the last places for a famine to even hit. If Egypt was in a famine, it was very bad. Because the, the, the fertile ground, because of the Nile River, made it a fertile place um, where farming was very, very uh, fruitful. And um, that's what made Egypt the world power that it was in ancient days was the fact that they had the fertile land in a place uh, that was often arid and dry. So that's why people would most mostly go to Egypt. Now, this is important to understand. Later, we'll find out that it was Lot and Sarah that convinced Abraham to go to Egypt. <coughs> God told Abraham to go to the promised land. There is nowhere in the reading you'll see that God told them to go to Egypt during this famine. They just kind of migrated to Egypt over time, and, and, and there were probably others in that area, in the Canaan area, that were migrating down there as well. And it just seemed like common sense to go to Egypt because that's where uh, there was food. And, but nowhere did God tell them to leave the place he had brought them to. And, and it was in Egypt that they picked up Hagar, who ended up being the slave that Sarah would give to Abraham to have a son. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but as I was reading this, if you're a Christian of any time, some of the things that Abraham and Sarah thought in order to fulfill the promise, like later we'll read, you know, yeah. that uh, Sarah wasn't having a kid and, and she knew God's promise and she wanted Abraham to have a son because apparently he's the one that God's going to give this blessing through and and he needs a son. And so she does this uh, thing where I'll be the lesser person and I'll give you my maidservant and then realize they made a mistake later that 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 when God gives a promise, God's going to be faithful to fulfill his promise. You don't have to try to manipulate the thing to make it work. And, and yet that's what Sarah does. And then when, when Abraham allows Sarah to go into these places, it, it, some of it is just hard to swallow. And yet you have to understand they're coming from a pagan background. Uh, this isn't, this isn't like there weren't, they, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have an idea of behaviors that are typical of people who follow God. All they had was God's voice and God's presence. That's all they had. Uh, and they would go to that God. They believed in the God, the creator, and um, there were priests, but 
it's not like they had the internet. To, 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 these priests, Melchizedek, wasn't broadcasting at noon on Wednesdays. Um, they would interact and and have conversations, and there was no, I, I don't think even Melchizedek, there weren't writings that they had at this time that they're even carrying around scrolls with biblical principles and prophets. Melchizedek is an ancient priest uh, that is, uh, connected to God and is probably declaring the word of God, but it wouldn't be a daily interaction with him. So um, you can kind of get, you know, even in our own life, how quickly we can disconnect from God when we're not in church in a while or we don't read the Bible or pray. Uh, you can imagine what it might have been like for Abraham and Sarah, and they're just living life and um, and really don't have anything there. So yeah so um we're gonna I'm, I'm filtering more questions that are coming in if you guys have a question drop it in there um and we will discuss it but in the meantime so as, as i'm going to ask pastor james some questions um whether it's an observation or a question that you had about the reading put it in the chat because we want to talk about it um but pastor james you have a lot of he's got a lot of notes like if you could see at the, the table there's just notes spread out like the scrolls uh everywhere um so there's there's a lot of observations and a lot that we covered but what was something that you want to bring people's attention to with the reading that we just uh, this is why i think so many people need to go to israel to fully see how close everything is to to everything right i think when you go to israel you're going you're gonna to see that Jerusalem's not far from Bethlehem. Bethlehem's not far from, uh, you know, where the, the Philistines were. You just see all of that. What's interesting, and what I noticed as we were going through this, um, you'll notice that Melchizedek is king of Salem, which, which eventually becomes Jerusalem, this area of Jerusalem, and he is the priest at Salem. Well, what's interesting is, uh, Abraham is later, We re- in our reading, Abraham is asked by God, will you take your son Isaac up to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there? And it says immediately he responds to the assignment and he doesn't. And, and we know that God then says, well, if you're not willing, if you're willing to give me whatever I ask, then I'm going to bless you and your generations from generations, generations, and I'm going to give you this land. The region of Moriah is where uh, pretty much most Jewish scholars says is right there where the temple is at. And maybe potentially even where uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son and eventually the ram would become the sacrifice as a replacement for his son. The ram was a representation of Christ being sacrificed. Some believe that it's in that region, in that exact location, that where the Holy of Holies would have been. And and then go back, this is where the priest of God, Melchizedek, would be. So God, God like, the, if there's a place that's more holy than this place, I don't know that there is. That, that where the temple is, the temple mount, when you're standing there, you're standing on the location where Melchizedek would have been doing sacrifices in a place where Thousands of years later, well, well not thousands, uh, about um, 
maybe a thousand years later, five, six hundred years later, a temple is going to be, you know, when David was there, or a temple is going to be in that place. Yeah. And and that's in the same location where Christ was crucified on the cross. All of it happening in this region of Moriah. Yeah. And and we're seeing it right here. And and what's interesting is there is almost evenly dispersed, and you see this, uh, if I can find it. Um, Once you're done with this topic, we have a, a couple heavy hitter questions. Oh, great. <laughs> great. That's good to hear. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a connection. Oh, yes. There's an ex- it, from Adam to Noah, the exact number of, I think it's 10 generations. Yes, it's the, so Adam to Noah was, Noah was the 10th generation. And then from Noah to Abram, Abram was the 10th generation. I mean, so you're seeing like order, Hmm. like God does nothing out of order. Hmm. There is an order to the story. There is, and there's like this, this, this place as this story is being told. It's, it's pretty exciting to see it when you, when you look at it. 10th generation down, you're saying was then Noah from Seth? From, from Adam. From Adam. And then, and then from Noah to Abram was 10 generations. That's interesting. You know what an interesting time frame is that I just randomly thought about? You just came up this with this randomly. This is, I've told you this before, but the time between, um, I think it was the time between the promise when it was first introduced to Jesus is 2000 years. Right. So the people looking back at the first promise given to their forefather, Abraham, is 2000 years. And between us and the fulfillment of the promise, which is in Christ, the fulfillment of what had been promised to Abraham to bless the nations is is almost almost 2000 years. So when people say, you know, we're not, you know, the Bible, we're, we're not in biblical times or whatever, being in Israel that is a trippy thing to think about because you just think 2000 years in technology and everything and how far everything is con and almost uh, the cross is, it's just like in that time frame, it's just like, it's just so far removed and it's hard to even wrap your mind around, uh, you know, being able to relate to people that far back. I mean, 2000 years before Christ during the time, those people that were walking around and, they're, they're the, the children of Israel, and they have this promise. Their father's Abraham 2,000 years before the cross was where that first yeah. promise was introduced in the call of Abraham. Just and, interesting in time frame. Yeah, wise. and when you and you look at it, this is where God's one of God's names is first mentioned, Jehovah Jireh, in Genesis twenty two fourteen. It says, God, Abraham says, God, my provider. Yeah. It's one of the first things God wanted us to know about him is that yeah. he's our provider. And as you're reading it, I mean, we're talking about this in Genesis. Yeah. God wants you to know that he's your provider. If, if you're going to be a person of faith, the first truth you have to recognize is God is your provider. He is your ultimate provider. Think of the number of stories in the Bible that would be different if people just recognized God as their Jehovah Jireh. Mm. Uh, it would have changed a countless number of stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got a question here. Yeah. Where do Christians fit in the blessing of Abram? Well, we we are part 
of the family of Abraham. I mean, we're, as the New Testament says, we have been uh, 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 adopted into or engrafted into the vine of the promise of Abraham. So we bless, just as Abraham, those he blessed uh, were blessed, and, and people who blessed him were blessed. And, and, and that's how we're, we're engrafted into the family of Abraham, and because of that, we're in the promise. And that's done through Jesus Christ, because we become one in Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what is it? What is wh- what does it say about the if the 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 promise was given and received by faith, and so that's why the promise didn't go to Ishmael, because Abram, even though that's his blood and it was through Hagar and he tried to make it happen, that's why the promise and inheritance didn't go to Ishmael because it wasn't according to the promise, it wasn't received by faith, and that's why it transferred to Isaac. And so when we believe in Christ, we trust in Jesus and we receive that by faith and, we and, are grafted into the family of God and made children of Abraham. And and it's a good point. I I think, you know, when we try to do it our way, we try to do God's promise our way, you, you really you, that's God has a way of he knows what he wants to do. Yep. He understands what he wants to do. Uh, Sarah was part of this process. We often talk that it was Abraham and Sarah even thought it, in that day it was such a, a, a man driven society. And so it was Abraham who, who brought the best blessing. And certainly we see that because Ishmael carries the blessing. In fact, God tells uh, Hagar, your son is going to be blessed of, of, of a nation. But but God had a plan for Sarah. Mm. That it would be through Sarah's womb that the promise would come. It was Eve. God talked to Eve and said, from your womb will come the promise. That the woman is as important as the man. Yes, the bloodline in life comes from the man. And I think people struggle to understand this. That that life comes from the man. So when a woman says, I brought you into this world, I can take you out, you know, as a joke to their child— Actually, the life that was given to that child was not the woman. The woman did not give the baby life. The life came from the the man, the the bloodline of the man, which is really why a child, when they get married, takes on the the husband's last name, is because the bloodline comes from the father. The woman, however is the host. She's the one that cares. She nurtures. She develops. It, it's, it's God uses the womb of the woman to knit together this child, and she has an extremely important part uh, in it. Some would argue uh, uh, as important as the life that's given. Is, it's just as important the, that that happens. So Sarah, the, God wanted the promise to come from Sarah. Something else that's important to notice was Abraham didn't give birth or, or Abraham didn't give birth to the promise until he had first fulfilled the sign of promise, which mm. was circumcision. Mm. Now, one of the questions you you can look at and I've always had and I did a little bit of research on this. Pastor, what is circumcision? Yes. Uh, you can go on Google and find <laughs> out what circumcision is. Be careful. Uh, yes. Be careful. <laughs> Circumcision is something that's severed from your life. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Here's the reality. Um, what a crazy sign of covenant with God. Um, you know, if I'm God and I wanted there to be a sign that we have relationship with, I have relationship with you, I would think I would want a sign that's more visible. Hmm. 
I mean a tattoo or maybe cut off your earlobes or or put a put an earring in your nose or something that would be visible in the crowd. But you know what's interesting? There is nothing on the male body that a man would hide more than what circumcision would be. So if if there is something that would be a sign of your relationship with God, the seal this that would be more hidden, if there's something you could do, it would be circumcision. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Because nobody's walking around nude in Hopefully public not. settings unless you're uh, really, you know, there really, there is no culture, even among the American Indians would have loincloths. Yeah. You're wearing loincloths. So if there would be anything that you would do that would be the least noticed, yeah. it would be circumcision. To show this covenant. Right. You want it to be like, yeah, like you said, like visible to everybody. Like, hey, I rock with God. Like this is Right. The, this is who we are. Yeah. And yet there, there was circumcision. So this is a question, and there are many different uh, deep, things i i looked it up and i'm like why would god choose circumcision some say because circumcision was not an an uncommon practice at the time there were a number of pagans that did circumcision and they would have said uh because circumcision identified um uh the the main male genitalia uh there would have been uh, it would have been like it considered fruitful tree and this was it was really a sign of fertility and that's mm-hmm. why they would have done it and then god would not conquer the world through uh war and that type of thing but he would do it through lineages and quite honestly when you look at genesis if you didn't notice this when you were reading moab and and nahor's story um uh uh and in the uh in where nahor uh or i'm sorry not nahor lot lot's wife turns to a pillar of salt yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. and then and then the daughters they go with lot they leave zoar which mm. god spares yeah, because they go there weird. they go up into the mountain and then the, the two daughters of Lot say, we don't have any men to have children as people do. Yeah. So they get them drunk. They have children. Each of them have male sons. And who are these sons? Moab and the Ammonites. Hmm. Mo, the Moabites and the Ammonites, which become thorns in the flesh to Israel yeah. later on. These become people. It, I, what's interesting is there are there are thousands of people, a few million of people on the planet, and then from these people come all of these nations, right? Mm-hmm. The, the thought that really kind of was perpetuating in my mind is, could it be that most, if not all, of the people that are on the planet today come back to these stories we're reading in Genesis, that they yeah. flow out of them, that ancient tribes of the day died off, but the ones that stayed are the ones who were blessed by God mm. and <clears throat> had a place. Now, Lot wasn't part of that blessing, but the Ishmaelites yeah. that were blessed by God, the Jewish people, you you have the all of these tribes that died off and ended. Is is, is it's an interest? It'd be an interesting study to see. Yeah, it's making me going. eager to uh, start planning a family as I read Genesis because I, I jokingly have been sharing after reading this. Like, man, I want to start a nation. I just want to have a, a kingdom of priests. I'm going to populate the earth. All right. 
and and then when you see this uh <laughs> that took just, a weird twist there he Thanks. just was not for <laughs> i wasn't ready for that so back to circumcision um you know uh we still most christians today still do circumcision it's more for health benefits i think that they do that than a sign but it is an interesting thought that god would choose something that is so hidden to be the thing although oh, i i know what it was forgetting uh do you know when we were in turkey um the jewish people when they were exiled from israel they went all over the place and we were in this city in turkey and by the way next year in the fall we're going to do a campaign we, we are going to do the seven churches of revelation we're going to film from there uh so you can get excited about that but That'll there was awesome. a there was a place we were at and the guide was telling us that when the it was like a gym it was their health club it was their lifetime fitness or la fitness wherever you go to and he said when they came here the men would all get naked that's what they did in the in their gymnasium they would have pool they had exercise but when they would run and play sports they took off all of their clothing and 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 as they were talking about it they were saying that it was in that that Jewish people would be exposed, that their covenant mm. with God would be exposed because of the circumcision. It would have been very in, it would have been very embarrassing for them because they were not like the others, and they would mm. wonder why that was the case. And you got to keep in mind in these days, in the ancient days, sexuality, uh, nakedness in the pagan world was seen very differently than we see it in the Christian world that we live in. And in fact, the global the global world as we see it today has been forever impacted by Christianity. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the Christian Judeo, uh, Judeo-Christian values yeah. impact has impacted the world and how they view um, sex and, and nudity and the physical body uh, and how we respect and honor it by covering it. And, and keep it for specific purpose in and, and, and which it's a beautiful thing, but it's held for uh, a, bi- a very biblical thing. Paganism just viewed it as just as. Um, they, they viewed it as you, in paganism, you did whatever, you, whatever pleasure you wanted. You slept with whoever you wanted if you were married. God it is was, your stomach. Yeah, it was, there was no respect for sex. There was no respect for nudity. There was none, none of that. It was just about my pleasures, whatever I wanted. And when you go back and you visit these ancient places and, you, and some of the stuff they've done, you see this prevailing. And so when, when Paul would go into these, some of these very pagan places, he's bringing the gospel and the gospel, you say, well, how do we know then that the, the Christian a form of how they view sexuality and nakedness and the physical body is right. Because as they became closer to Christ, God changed the desire of their heart. How they mm-hmm. see it, saw it changed. Um, it wasn't because a book told them they should think that way. It was because the Holy Spirit changed their heart to see it that way. Um, Sean asks a question, and there's a couple others that we are going to tackle too. Um, I missed one by Natasha. Uh, I see you, Natasha. Don't worry. Uh, but Sean says, 
Um, why did God use Jacob to continue the bloodline of his chosen people, even though the blessing and birthright belong to Esau? Why did God still bless Jacob amidst so much deception? That's the question I had. That's really interesting. It's a great question, but the birthright was the birthright. Mm. And it was the, that was the, there, there is something about the blessing. Like when Abraham mm. blessed Isaac, he was passing it on to them. And, and when Jacob was blessed, it was, or I'm sorry, when Jacob was blessed, Isaac passed it on to Mm. him. And, and it's, it's, it's what happened. It was the blessing. This is where I think, uh, it's not a matter of question. Well, if it was God's will, then that's why it happened. That's, that's really, if you're a Muslim or if you're from their faith, they was the reason that happened that way is because it was God's will. Um, uh, it, it, he was blessed. Isaac blessed him. I don't really know the answer beyond because that place. The deception, because that's the thing. That's the thing you you think. Because when you look, like that was when I was reading. Um, it's so funny because in a mind where it's like the marks of a Christian, you're reading the the uh, Paul's epistles and yep. and how we should act and behave as as being followers of Christ. And then you look back at at where it all started, and you're like. Yeah, but but, but even were... when you're reading this, that we so often interpret Genesis through the lens of the prophets, the law, the New Testament. You can't these the there is no prophets. Yeah, there is no. I mean, you have the priests of God, as we see with Melchizedek. Yeah. We have the. It really is a relationship with yeah. a voice that's mm-hmm. coming to you that you fo- fully don't understand. There is there it. That's why this is not about. This is about a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where Jacob's relationship with God would have been at that time, but we have no idea. It doesn't really get into those details between Esau and Jacob. But Esau did not value the birthright. He didn't value the promise, but Jacob did. Mm. And even though Jacob deceived his father to get it, yeah. and, and it's interesting. This is interesting. How did Esau get the birthright? He came out of the womb first, but they were twins. Mm -hmm. They were both birthed together in the womb. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. They one had to come out first. Yeah. Who? But they were both. I have twins. Yeah. They were the twins were 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 conceived together. They one came out first. First, one valued the birthright. One did not. Mm. The it, the only reason Esau was given that right was because he came out of the womb first. Jacob wanted to come out first, was not in position to do that, but he valued the birthright. Mm. So to say the firstborn should have had it, they was birth at coming out of the womb or is conception. Mm, interesting. I mean, the, 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 the reality is, is Jacob valued what, what, what fa- his grandfather Abraham said was the blessing. He valued it. He was willing to do whatever it took to get that. Mm. And it came where Esau could, could have cared less. He sold it for a bowl of soup. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were, they were born at the same time. So it, it's not a matter of, <laughs> Which but, that whole story with Esau and Jacob is a whole other sermon in and of itself. Yeah. If you think about it, Jake, Esau had such little value for things of the greatest value. Mm. I mean, he was out doing all the stuff, living the pleasures of life, doing all that, where Jacob was like, this is important. Yeah. 
this recognized yeah this he recognized and what it promise of God and was. Esau said I'll sell it for the pleasure of meeting this my stomach which which is you know the God of your stomach stomach your pleasure your yep, yeah yeah that you would sell how many believers are selling out everything for the pleasure of their stomach Ooh. for today I'll I'll make it work later. And Esau came back to Isaac and said, "Hey, he lied to you. Bless me." And he said, "Will you bless me now? Will you bless me now?" And I think a lot of people are living for the pleasure of their stomach, and then will think, "Well, then at the end of my life, I'll live for my pleasure, my stomach here." And then in my life, I'll say, "Lord, bless me now. Bless me now. I'll come back to you now. I want to make it right now." And and if they have the opportunity to do that, God in His mercy and grace, He does. But unfortunately, the blessing you shall receive will not be that of, of Jacob. It won't be that of those who honored that blessing ahead of time mm-hmm. and recognized it and lived it out. Um, Natasha says, didn't God tell Rebecca when they were in her womb that the young would rule over the older? So if it was never stolen, uh, it still would have been? Yeah, I, I mean, God knows. The other yeah. thing that's crazy— Okay, so I'm going to get into something I think is a little bit of a question for a lot of people called predestination. People will say, well, if we're predestined, then what does it matter? God's will happens whether it's supposed to or not. I think it's, it's uh, so I'm going to explain what predestination or what, what it really comes down to. Predestination is the understanding that God knows the beginning from the end. That God knows the entire narrative, human narrative. He knows the entire story. Because he knows the entire human story does not mean he has predestined you to do certain things. Like he's in control, controls your thoughts, your minds. It's not that at all. God knows what you will determine in your free will ahead of time. Because he knows the beginning from the end. Because he's Alpha and Omega. So he knows the decisions you're going to make and knows your destiny. He knows your destination that you're going to come to because of free will. He he even knows how the prayers of the saints will impact the decisions of people down the road. It I know that's hard to comprehend. I, I get it. I understand because we don't know the future. We're not living outside this lim- linear timeline. I get how difficult that is. But but <coughs> God is aware of how a message or sermon may change your heart and then it changes your action. God already has already seen it. He already knows. That's how he can give you visions of what's ahead. And, and he puts those visions in place. And you're like, oh, that's where God wants to take me. And he gives prophetic words to kind of help along the way, to, to help us along the path to find our way so that we end up in the place where he created us to be. Um, but God is not controlling your decisions. He's not d- determining for you. And, and you couldn't help yourself to make that bad decision because God made you make it. That is just ungodly thinking you have free will you choose what you want to choose it's just that god knows it because he's seen the decision you made yeah that's a good point that's a good point good question um yeah michelle says and for some reason in in regards to like the blessing 
Um, for some reason, Jacob chose Ephraim over Manasseh when he blessed Joseph's sons. <coughs> yeah, now she's getting ahead of us. <laughs> that, that needs to come out uh, <laughs> later. Uh, something, uh, yeah, and you're right, Michelle. The, something else I want you to see, too, that I think is pretty amazing is uh, the three visitors that show up. Abraham is sitting at his tent. He he has He's the father of already a, basically a city and he's sitting in his tent and he th- sees three visitors and immediately knows who they are yeah immediately he he has an understanding who they are the other one is when these visitors uh come back later and they go down to Sodom and Gomorrah uh lot when he sees these two angels of the lord yeah immediately he knows who they are yeah. Immediately. And then the men and young men come and they say, uh, we, this part messed me up a little bit as well. These men come into Sodom and Gomorrah and, because they have become so evil. And the men say, uh, the young men and old men of Sodom say, we want to have physical relationship with Thank these two men that you brought into this city and they are determined to have this physical relationship with them. And Lot comes out and says, I will give you my two daughters who have not yet had physical relationship with men. I I will, I want you to do that. And, and they say, no, we want these men. Mm. So when you, when you hear people say that, God doesn't care about our lifestyle decisions. He does. Hmm. He does. He destroyed a city yeah. that had gotten to a point where this is how they treated people outside of his plan. It, it's, it's, and, and so I'm sorry that I think people want us to be empathetic about decisions that they're, the, the, the reality, there are just some things that are destructive to people and we're not going to sit and affirm those things as being okay for you when they're, they're really there to destroy you. It's like, it's like somebody who's a menth addict saying, you know what? I know you've had a hard, a lot of hard things in your life happen to you and meth gives you an opportunity to escape that. So we just support you and your meth habits, even though we know it's killing you physically. You know, that is not a friend. That's not somebody who cares for someone. It's it, God. God is the creator. Yeah. And and that's why as believers, we take the position that the, there's behaviors that destroy human beings. Um, did they know the men were angels? Were they aware that they were angels? I, that's a good question. It doesn't say either way. I think, you know, a lot obviously knew who they were. I think they came as men. It doesn't necessarily say they came as angels. I mean, you know, they came as, as human beings. Uh, they look like human beings. That's how they would have appeared. So here's, here's a question that someone asked. Is it safe to say that when the three men came to visit Abraham before going to Sodom and Gomorrah, that was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? No. Um, I know people have preached on that. There really is no place that we would see that in those scriptures. It, it, um, I think the one argument you can make 
is that the angel of the Lord that stayed with Abraham when the other two went to Sodom and Gomorrah would have been Jesus. That's so cool. Um, some would say it would have been the Holy Spirit, but the angel of the Lord, I think there was an interaction. I personally believe it was Christ, mm-hmm. Jesus, that would have been with them, with Abraham, and the and would have been the one that interacted with Abraham when he said, you know, can you imagine Abraham hears, he says, should I, should I keep this from him and, uh, and about what we're going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and then Abraham's like, hey, so what are, what are you guys up to? Where do you go from here? And, and not that he did that. He didn't necessarily say that. And they yeah. said, well, we're going to, the, the evil that's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, which immediately Abraham knows lots in Sodom and Gomorrah or in Sodom, lot, yeah. lot, which is interesting. Lot chose the valley outside of Sodom. Yeah. And then when we get to the story, he's in the city. If you go camp out around evil, eventually you'll end up in evil. Oh, you'll find yourself in it. So mm. when those people say, how close can I get to evil before, mm. I, before I, I'm no longer a Christian? You, you're already there. Yeah. Because the moment you try to yeah. camp next to it, it'll it's like gravitational pull it's going to pull you in well abraham knows lots there and he and he loves lot this is what's incredible about before we move on the the those three because i have a question for you yes um this is what i this trips me out because the i have such a fascination with who those people were and there there's a verse in the bible where Jesus says, Abraham looked ahead to my coming and rejoiced. He's same thing about Moses uh, and Jude. So we see that from Jesus's mouth and people can write it off as, oh, that's just, you know, your interpretation. That's not actually what he meant. He wasn't talking about he's transcendent uh, above time. But in Jude, this is what tripped me out. I had to like, I, I think I've told you about this, where I had to like go back and I'm like, did I read that correctly? In Jude, Jesus's brother, an apostle, this is what he is teaching in Jude 1, 5. He said, let me put it on the screen for you guys so you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm going to read this for you and then you tell me what you think. So, Okay. Uh, In Jude 4, it says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into their churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So five, this this is where my question is. So I want to remind you, Though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation uh, of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And you're reading on, trying to find what you're looking for. <laughs> I'm not I'm reading that. But it yeah. says, so it's saying that it was, G, he gives credit. So he says, I want to remind oh, you. Oh, I see what you're you saying. Yeah, later know on. these things that Jesus first rescued. It's it's Jesus that's given the credit from Jude, an apostle, yeah. is saying this about Je- Jesus, Jesus Je- that he was there. He was yeah, the I mean, in John 1, he says, in the beginning, he's yeah. referring to him being in the beginning. The tree of life, yeah. I believe, in the Garden of Eden, which is what we talked about last week, too. Yeah. He was there. So there is inner interaction with Christ with generation to generation. It wouldn't be unusual for Abraham to interact with him if he fully knew Jesus would become his son mm. on earth. I mean, can you imagine interacting with your great 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 grandson? Yeah. But listen to this. This this is what's so I'm gonna move us on and I get what you're saying, but I'm gonna move us on to this. Go ahead. Look he knows this is like God 
in the flesh, and Abraham has, because of his love for his nephew, he dares, and he even says, I dare to ask, if there were 50, would you spare it? Abraham knows the mercy of God, and he calls on the mercy of God Mm. and his response. Mm. And, And the angel of the Lord goes, yes, if there was 50. And he goes, then he goes, if there were 45, and he, I mean, the, the dude, he's just, okay, I got 45. That was pretty easy. Uh, 40? <laughs> it's like he's an auctioneer. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Do I like, hear 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. 40? He gets, he talks God down to 10. That's crazy. <laughs> and God's mercy now, here's the thing that I really wanted to point out that I really kind of felt in this. It wasn't just God's mercy that would spare the city for 10. It was God's mercy and love for Abraham that allowed that caused him to go to 10. Abraham, if you ask me for 10, I would spare the city for 10. Hmm. Ab- like Lot's life later... When the angels go in and they're going to destroy the city, they say, get your, get, you have a son-in-law. He didn't want to come. Get your girls and your wife and let's go. And it says when it was about time, the sun coming up, that the angel, that Lot didn't want to leave. The angels had to grab the hands of Lot and his family. Every one of them. Nobody was willingly leaving Sodom. They weren't following God. There weren't believers. There weren't wow. 10. There were zero. Wow. In Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was spared because a man after God's own heart, Abraham, a friend of God, asked God to save someone he loved that wasn't righteous, that wasn't faith. You said it. It's one of the first things we see of intercession. A man that took the best... And left Abraham with the, the rest. But Abraham said, God's the one that's blessed me. Mm. God's the one that blessed me. The one who gained blessing off the back of Abraham and then took the best land. Yeah. Abraham said, would you spare him? And, and the father honors Abraham by saving someone who didn't deserve it. Mm. What? The I mean, favorite. think about what God... and. And literally, it goes back to remember what we started with. God will bless those. Yeah, I was just thinking about who that. Who bless yeah. you, who you bless. Mm. And the people on earth will be blessed mm. through you, Abraham, even when they don't deserve it. That's, that's just an incredible thing of God's, the creator of the universe, that God would do that for Abraham because of his love for Abraham. And as we're... You know, as we read through that and his life was spared. And what's interesting is Abraham would never have known this because those girls were spared. They birthed two out of an incredible sin because they came from Sodom. So the idea of sleeping with their father was just their way. Another day in Sodom. So because they weren't destroyed in Sodom because of their love, Abraham spared the life of two young ladies that would be the mothers of two nations that would become a thorn in the flesh. You know what's interesting too? We were talking about this and the Canaanites, that was part of the Canaanite sins that Israel was called to depossess that land, the land that Abraham was, was promised that later on his people would be given is those were the sins they were committing, as we're going to read 
uh, eventually. They were sleeping with their moms. They were sleeping with their. The, it's it's detestable to God. And they were there was all sorts of incest and familial stuff with the fathers and the mothers that were going on in the land of Canaan. And and you're right, they they came from Sodom. It's, this is well, just like a normal thing. Like well, what would like circumcision? You, that's where you begin to to see maybe a connection to the circumcision part. Yeah is the purity and that part of their life. Uh, immorals, uh, uh, physical relationships, yeah. the immorality of the way it was being done was just commonplace yeah. in the home among families. And it was just, it was more of an activity that you did, didn't really matter who it was. And when yeah. you're drunk and high and you, there was no boundaries, there yeah. was no right and wrong, it was whatever you wanted to do at the moment. And I think your know, circumcision was saying I've, it was like um, set apart. a seal saying we're set apart that this activity in our life has purpose. Mm. It has there's something about it that has purpose, and it's 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 clear it needed to be taken back in that in that era. And and that could be right or wrong, but as we're talking, that's kind of coming up. Yeah, uh, there's there's two um, things just in regard to the covenant, but then with Abraham, I even see with. Just like when I was reading it, I felt mm. like, you know, am I not am I not understanding my full authority and my privilege as being? We talk about white privilege, the privilege of being a Christian and a follower of God. There's just some things where in a world that's like, well, that's not fair. How come that? There's just things of being a being associated with Christ and belonging to Christ that is an unfair advantage when you don't, you don't belong to the world. I live by different rules because I'm a son of God. I don't, I'm not a spiritual orphan. And what I, what I found, cause I had this, like, I feel like when I was reading, it was all this behavioral stuff in my brain that, well, these guys aren't really that good. Like I see their faith and they have moments, these great patriarchs of the faith that in your brain, you think they're just super holy and they're just super righteous, but they did some really dumb things. And what I love is that it was God that was working on their behalf, even in their their stupidity. Well, like it, with it comes Egypt, like when when he gives his wife over, and he's and then right. God works on his behalf, and it's like you better give him back, otherwise you're going to be cursed. Like God is working on behalf of his. Like this guy belongs to me. Like you know you gotta. He, he's still working on their on on their behalf, even in their well. This, the, and and w- again. We're looking back into time, exactly. ancient times. <laughs> it's a different mindset, is what I'm with saying. The, yeah, with the mind. I, you're bringing up a great point. Like Adam, when he was born in the Garden of Eden, yeah. didn't go. He, he didn't go uh, after God breathed into his lungs. He goes, oh, wow, I'm alive. What are all the rules? You know, how do I behave? You know, yeah. he didn't. He just lived. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. And uh, rules, the law, didn't show up until Moses. Hmm. And so from from the time of Moses, uh, people were just living life the way they thought best. Hmm. And it really was about God. Like, it's it's so different. It, It, quite frankly, should be, and I believe is, way easier to be able to understand and interact with God today than it would have been then. Because we have history yeah. that's kind of helped us develop what this is. We've mm. 
we have the the Bible. We've had um, people who've gone before us that have kind of just showed us the way. And Christ was on the planet, and yeah. he showed us the way. And the disciples and Paul, and they've kind of showed us the way, right? They didn't have, they didn't have that. Their history was paganism. As people wandered, mm-hmm. in the beginning they had God, and they had him in the in the cool of the day, and mm-hmm. they had. The, but as they're going on, as you get further and further away from Adam and Eve, and you yeah. get further and further away from Noah in these generations, you know, by the time it was Abraham from Noah, that's the tenth generation. Yeah. Um, that and and it, you know, think there's a lot of paganism in the world. There's a lot of ways to think. There's no rules. Nobody's yeah. telling them that lying to them about your sister's wrong. Yeah, he, he's just trying to live. Yeah. in a way to be like it, to him, it's wisdom. Yeah, I, I would guarantee that if Abraham was there, he probably looks at that. And I thought that was a wise thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Because I was protecting us. I was protecting my. I thought, wow, it must have been God that gave me that yeah. idea. And technically, we find out later. It is my sister. She's yeah. my half sister. Yeah. So saying it wasn't really lying, and I was actually getting, and he didn't even realize. I don't think Abraham fully comprehended. Sarah needed to be pure. She could not be with these men because she was the mother yeah. of the promise. Yeah. So interesting. It's just like that's something that I'm. One of the biggest things that that stuck out to me that favor. Which is which is interesting because last week we talked about the tithe too, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But there is no law, mm-hmm. and Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. Yeah. Another thing in the ancient scriptures of which we have very few scriptures about what happened in ancient times, and yet that was mentioned in it, and yeah. it's pre-law. Mm-hmm. So anyone who says I'm not under the law, I don't need to do that anymore. That it, this is a creational principle. Mm-hmm. So. That being said, you go on, you can go on, and as you go on, one of the themes for Bethel's Rock we see in these passages of Scripture, and I want to take you to Jacob, where that's at. And Give me the, uh, give me the chapter. It's in, um, in, um, <coughs> in 28, uh, Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Verse 10. 10, got it. And we haven't spent any time with Jacob. I mean, it's an incredible story. In fact... This whole story is pretty amazing because it identifies the thing called portals and that there are places on the planet. I don't know about you, but like when I was at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, yeah. uh, it praying, you just want to pray. You just spend that. It's like a portal, like you're you're reaching heaven. You know, people say it's like there was, you know, I prayed, but it was like a ceiling and I couldn't break through it, it, because it was hard to pray. And in this case, uh, when, you, when you're in these places and there were places that I go to where I know when I go to that house or that place, it just seems easy to pray. Well, uh, Jacob is kind of running because he deceived his father. His brother Esau is now mad at him. He's chasing him. And um, and he's headed to uh, Laban's house, which, by the way, when the servant goes and gets Rachel, that what we read this week kind of gives you the character of Laban. And we're going to get into this in the next few weeks. Yeah. But Laban is the brother of Rachel, Jacob's mom. And he 
he has a narrative where he gains something from his sister going to Isaac. Like you see the conniving, like the, the Laban's little spirit going on, even back when the servant comes to get Isaac, you can see that mm-hmm. in Laban. And I want you to hold on to that for later. But yep. Jacob's going to go run to Laban uh, because he's got to leave because he's afraid he's gonna, Esau's going to kill him. And it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay it down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angel of God ascending and descending on it. And there above it, the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. So the same promise he gives to Abraham, he's now declaring over Jacob. He's letting you know that I am their God. I was the God of your fathers, and now I will be your God. And and in the promise that he gave Abraham, and he says, all the peoples on earth will be blessed, verse 14, through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I promise you. And then Jacob wakes up, and he realized, he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on it, and he called that place Bethel because it had been called Luz. And that's where Bethel's Rock comes from. This <laughs> John, is our theme verse. John Hadeen told me today, he goes, I just read that in the Bible in a year. And he goes, I was blown. I was mind blown. I was like, wait, this is this is the theme. And he was he went and showed his wife. He goes, Look, I I'm blown. <laughs> <laughs> That's when when we came to Bethel, I was not coming to Minneapolis because I don't really like cold. Yeah. I don't like snow, I don't like cold. And I went to school here and I knew how how cold it gets here. And it was cold in Michigan, but uh, southwest Michigan, but nowhere near this. And uh, the Lord, this is the chapter he had me read. When I came back, Paul Freitag had asked me if I would consider coming here, and I had told him no. And I came back, and the Lord says, you're supposed to go. And I said, no. And then I opened my devotion. It was here I was reading. And when I got to this point, I laughed when I saw Bethel. And the Lord says, you're going there, and you're going to name this church Bethel's Rock, hmm. which was the rock he was laying on. And, and look, he said, Uh, Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on the top, and he called it Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, I will give and give me food to eat and clothes to wear. So I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth. And, and, And what does Jacob say there? He says, I'm going to tithe <laughs> again, pre-law, yeah. pre-law, right? But that's not the point we're getting at. The point was he was saying that's what that's what Bethel's right, that this would be a place, a portal for people to come to and experience the presence of God. So um, we are about finished for today. We're about 12 minutes over. Uh, we want to leave you wanting more and we want to we hope this sparked curiosity really that's the goal of why 
we're doing this to spark your your curiosity where you dig into scriptures and you don't feel intimidated being able to read the Bible, but the questions will actually spark curiosity. Well, you're, you'll do your own research uh, and you can, you know, if there's something you're stumped on, bring it here and then hopefully it'll spark discussion. And um, oh, man, there's one more thing we're going to do. Yeah. And, and because I get to do this before we end, I want you to notice one other thing. When the servant of the Lord comes looking for a wife for Isaac, this is why study is so important. Yeah. Abraham says, I'll release you if you can't find, if they decide not to come, but I want you to go back to my brother, Nahor, yeah. and I want you to find a wife for Isaac. So he does that, and he goes, and he sees this woman coming down the well, and he asks the Lord, Lord, if I have favor, give me favor to find the one. And the first one that comes is Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca comes up and he says, can I get a drink? And she says, yes, I'll go get you a drink and then I'll give water to your camels. Now you'd think, wow, so what? I mean, he's an entourage of people. Yeah. So obviously they're important. She was just trying to do that. Do you know what's interesting? To, to give him water was one thing, but to water his camels was a different story. Do you know how much a camel drinks? One camel, and he had many. Do you know how much one camel drinks at a time? Couldn't tell you. This is incredible. I looked this up. 30 gallons of water. Wow. So when she said, I'll water your camels, she was committing to doing an immense amount of work. Wow. Here's here's the thing. This is You can Google this. They said it. Camel on average will drink 30 gallons of water, and if it is a thirsty camel, it will drink 50 gallons of water. And she watered the camels. So the servant is watching her say, you asked me to give you something to drink, and I did. But now I'm going to go above and beyond, and I'm going to water your camels wow. and that would with be the water. And, and he's sitting there looking at it, and this is the wife. God said, I saw how she goes over and above, and God rewards her to become the mother and wife of Isaac, mother of the promise. Mm. Because the promise went through Isaac, but went through her womb. Yeah. Pretty cool. So I know I am, you were trying to end, but it's something else. Those are the things, if you stop and you look at it and you go, what? I mean, it's yeah, just incredible are, insights into this. So Those are the things I'm talking about where you guys like look into those things. Like uh, it just makes the Bible come alive. It's not just don't just read it like a, like just like a story, but also try to like what helps me and what I love. That's why I love history, because I want to feel like I'm there and I'm a part of the story and what would be going through my mind, not just as an American but like during the time, I want to know where they're coming from and their perception of God and, and their culture. And it just really makes it uh, come alive. So those little details are, are, uh, are fun nuggets for the Bible to become real, real to you. So I pray this, this blessed you guys will have this. I haven't got the last one up. I know. Don't stone me. Uh, I haven't got this last one up on podcast yet. It will be up as well as week two will be up on podcast so you guys can go back and share that also host this in the playlist uh, of bible in a year so you guys can always have the opportunity to go back and listen um uh, along as you guys are going week to week um keeping up with the bible reading plan anything 
to add looking ahead to next week that they should be aware of or things to look for with week three's reading that you well, want to leave we end with? We end up with Jacob's kids, and then we get into the story of Joseph as we're going through that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I preached a series on this in the 10 Tests Joseph um, that you'll see there's there's a lot. I mean, Genesis is pretty easy to go through. You you got to love going through Genesis because it, it's just the, the it's story. And it's yeah. just, but there are some things that will get interrupted in here. There's a few things that will come up in Genesis. And it's like, why did we shift? Like there's a shift in the story. And uh, take time to go through it. I really do want to encourage people um, that when you're reading, set a time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better to do it every day than it is to do it all at once. Because if you do it all at once, you're, it's just too much content to go through. And you'll end up starting to read it and, and not really comprehend it. So it's good to do it every single day. Mm-hmm. Awesome, guys. Love you. Um, keep asking questions and write them down in your own personal reading time so then it'll make good discussion uh, for next week. The goal is to try to stump Pastor James. Yeah, that's your goal for sure. <laughs> Love you guys. We'll it's see not you later. Not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs>